There we go. That's enough blessing. Okay. Today we are wrapping up our series um, on Unhurry. And if you haven't been with us for the last four weeks, we have been speaking about the fact that Durban has tired eyes. Durban is tired. When you ask most people how they're doing, they say, busy. There's a, a sense of my, my spirit hasn't caught up to my body. I, I need to rest. And so we said, in the first week, we said, you've got to slow down. In the second week, we spoke about simplifying your life. Last week, one of the best sermons I've heard this year, Matt spoke about Sabbath. We've got to learn to take Sabbath. You've got to almost like kickstart your life into, into rest and worship. That's what Sabbath does. It just says no to everything else unless it's rest and worship. And um, just show of hands, how many of you fasted or Sabbathed or slowed down? Just stick up your hand. Oh, you're so much better than the 8.15. I just want to say, well done. Uh, so your souls are coming back. I mean, imagine we go into December and we're smiling whilst everybody else is yawning. It would just be phenomenal. But today I've asked my friend Brad, who's married to Christy. You've heard Christy preach here before. We haven't had Brad yet. And uh, so he's going to come and share on the last part, probably the most important part of this. Give him a hand as he comes up here. Thank you, Ross. Buddy, it's good to have you. Great. You know, um, some people plant churches in easy times. Others plant churches in COVID and are teachers at the same time. How are you coping? <laughs> Tired eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All good. It, uh, the, the timing wasn't ours. We, um, long story short, after a number of weeks of being up in Amshloti for various reasons and a parenting course because we all need help, um, I drove over the bridge and what I think I saw and heard was we need the gospel and then we find ourselves here today. Um, we still, we have a church in Amshloti called The Table. It's a beautiful church and um, we made it through COVID. We've made it through the riots. We've made it through the floods and we're still going strong and the kingdom's not stopping. So we are great, happy to be here. So we're partnering with, with Brad and Christy and helping them get that going. If you want a cool experience at 4 p.m., on the beachfront in Amshloti. Go there. Cool. If the, if the weather's good. If the weather's good. Otherwise, you, you get salt in your eyes. Okay. Brad, you know, all the other disciplines that we've spoken about are, are catalytic, but this one really changes people. Um, so just talk to us a little bit about silence and solitude. I think, first of all, let's just acknowledge that our lives are busy. We've got loads of sport, we've got loads of work, work follows us home, we've got social uh, connections, we've got social meetings, um, there's a whole lot of stuff on the go, we've got to run households, we've got to do our homework, we've got to do our assignments, we've got to attend lectures, etc., etc. And then on top of that, we have digital distraction, just to fill all those empty, others, empty spaces. Not just our phones, but Netflix, Supersport, our favorite programs, novels, things that we want to read, information, all this technological age is, is vying for our attention and actually demanding. And we know that the, the clever guys who make these apps and all those interesting things that you find on, on our devices, um, they are created to spark our dopamine and then get us back for more. And we can spend hours on these devices. So silence and solitude is something that's being fought for. 
And it's in our culture, it's in our society, not just our busyness, but then the digital distractions that have come in and, and are such a reality to us are the things that are preventing us from finding our silence and solitude. Speak to us a little bit. I mean, we know this, that, it's, that everything's pulling us away. Um, just talk to us a little bit about why, if we don't get silence and solitude, why is it so important? I think we've got to go back to Genesis. For me, that's where it all begins. So we were created in God's image. God put Adam and Eve, mankind, in the garden, created in his image, but it, we were created for his great pleasure. We were created for him, to connect with him. We were created for relationship. I mean, above all of creation, at the end of the day, he said, you are very good. And he gives us himself. We are filled with himself. And so because we're made in this image, we are designed to work just like him in relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Trinity, together as one, functioning in their fullness, functioning in love and connecting. If we don't find our silence, if we are battling to find solitude, how else are we going to focus our attention on the one who created us, on the one who created us and designed us for this life? So I think, Ross, that um, in this competitive environment that we find ourselves, um, the enemy comes to disconnect. That's his modus operandi. And so he will use any method possible even if it is our busyness or our complacency to try and get between our relationship with our Father. I mean, I know what it's like. You all know what it's like. Parents here, what's the best thing in the world that could happen at home? It's when your children come or your grandchildren come or even if it's somebody else's young child, they come and they connect with you. There's fulfillment in the relationship and that's what God is looking for. When that relationship was split, Adam sinned, Adam and Eve fell, the relationship was separated. What did God do? Did he sit back and go, oh my gosh, they fluffed this one. There's nothing I can do now. I've been caught unawares. I'm not too sure what the plan is going ahead. No, he came down. He came into the garden in the cool of the day looking for Adam. He called out, Adam, where are you? Brad, where are you? Put your name there. Where are you? Are we distracted? Are we getting pulled aside from this really important space and place called silence and solitude with our Father? You spoke about that, um, that granny on Facebook. Yes. Just tell that story. Very briefly. Um, the, the story goes like this. Um, very close family, and it just so happened that the granny got exposed to iPhones and Facebook. This became a very popular uh, pastime for her, but the kids started to notice, the grandkids started to notice that granny wasn't at these events that she was normally at. She wasn't at the sporting events. She wasn't as um, connected in the home. She was absent. She was becoming a bit distant. She was preoccupied. Anyway, a couple of weeks went by, and the grandson went to mom, obviously granny's daughter, and said, what's up with granny? Well, they found out that she was addicted to Facebook. <laughs> kind of like myself when I'm scrolling through. You just get absorbed into this world. And, um, you know who so you are, granny. <laughs> This is not just a millennial thing. We are all vulnerable, um, or a teen thing. So this clever kid, as they, they do, they can handle these devices way better than what we can, decided to hide the Facebook icon. So he put it in a different place, and within hours, the granny comes back um, to the children and says, my Facebook is broken. <laughs> they knew what they had done. 
Anyway, a couple of days go by, and she was quite irate. They decided to um, expose their plan to her, and they discussed this with her and said, listen, Granny, you've been a bit absent. We're missing you. We hid your, your Facebook icon. We will reinstate it, but with a time constraint, but we would love you to be participating with us, and we'd love to see you. We're missing you. So obviously she had to agree because there was no other way to restore the Facebook icon on her phone, and so it happened. A couple of weeks go by, and after the discussion and, and after um, you know, some open conversations, the little boy goes back to his mom and said, Mom, we've got Granny back. She was with the family. She was connected to the children again. There was fulfillment in the relationship. She was there fully present. And I think that God also looks at us and he says, I think I need my son back. I would like to have my daughter back. Maybe some friends need some friends back in their lives. Maybe some spouses need their spouse back in their life. Maybe a daughter needs her mom back and a sister needs her sister back. But whatever it could be, it's all about the relationship. It's, it's about us being in the image of God and this is where we find life in abundance because it's about our souls. We've been made in his image and this is where we live from. So that's the story of um, the, fa the Facebook story. But I think he's calling us back. Are we distracted? Brad, are you so distracted that you're not with your father enough? You know, Brad was saying in the first service that when some of us grew up, we used letters. Mm. And they were so slow that I picked up a letter once. It had perfume on it. smelled amazing. What I didn't know is it had taken two weeks for the letter to get to me, and she'd broken up with me in the process. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let's take this conversation a little deeper because we're all getting pulled in different directions. Mm. Um, and Jesus managed to get pulled, <clears throat> but still push into God. Just let's go straight into Jesus um, okay. and, and his model of life. Just as by way of context, there's external noise and internal noise. Now, when we look at these scriptures as well, Jesus had the very same experience, just like you and I. The external noises, he had to remove himself from or silence, and then he had to spend time with his father dealing with the internal. So for you and I, we need to remove ourselves from the external noises, the music that's playing down the hallway in my mate's uh, dorm room, the car that's getting tested next door, um, the TV that's on in the background, the phone that keeps on sending us messages and keeps um, distracting us or catching our eye. We need to remove ourselves from that kind of um, external noise. And then the internal noise, when that's all silenced and we have a, a quiet place, it allows the internal noise, those things that are, are the anxious thoughts, the, the planning that's, that never ends, um, the, the processes that we have to put in place at work, the demands that are coming from our colleagues, etc. those things that we don't necessarily deal with, we need to process them in those quiet places with our Father. And that's the beautiful thing, that we don't try and deal with them on our own, but He's there with us. It's like me walking with my children. I know what they are capable of. I know what they can handle. I know how to help them. And I know how to help them navigate the next step in their life. And so when we look at these scriptures, we'll pick out a few of those words once we've read them and then just have a look at um, how God the Father 
help Jesus in and through the, the very same context. So the first scripture, you'll probably see it coming up on the back screen here, is Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 16 and then through to chapter 4. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. And the desert there can be translated into a number of things. Number one, a desolate place, desert, solitary place, a quiet place, or a lonely place. Now we've got to trust that God knows best for us. And scripture says that the Spirit led him into the quiet place. Is the Spirit asking us to get into the quiet place? Is this a drawing? Is this a wooing of our Father saying, I'm missing you, I need you back. I want your attention. I want to lead you into a lonely place with me. So the Spirit leads him into the, the quiet place. And it says there that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. I think that's an understatement, the biggest understatement in Scripture. Hungry, maybe famished, or maybe exhausted, or whatever other word you want to use there. But the eremos is the word in Greek, the quiet place, the solitary place. Um, and he fasted for a month and a half. Have you ever fasted for four days? Have you ever fasted for 10? I mean, for me, that's a miracle. 40 days and 40 nights. The thing that I, I found amazing, though, and I often misread the scripture, was um, that I thought Jesus was fortunate to come out the other side. However, this was God the Father's intent for him so that he would manage and be, um, he would overcome on the other side because he was tempted in the desert as well. It says after 40 days and 40 nights that he was tempted by the enemy. Had, would he have been able to do that had he not fasted and, and spent time in the quiet place with his father? He was actually in a place of spiritual strength. Flesh would have been weak, but spirit would have been strong so that he could overcome, he could accomplish, he could fulfill his calling because of what his father did with him and said to him and ministered to him in that space, in the quiet. I often think, gosh, no, no, um, I need to get a little bit more physically adept and then I'll do the spiritual side and then I'll be okay. But here we see that Jesus was weak in his flesh but spiritually in authority. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for our spiritual authority, our strength in our spirit. Um, so if you are called to fast, here's a great example to, to back you up. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 46. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. He had sent them out to minister, and they came back and gave him some reflection on that. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have enough time to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus meets the crowds. He fed 4,000 in this context. And then he, after that had happened, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boats and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up onto a mountainside to pray. Jesus goes to the quiet place. And he ministers. And immediately after that, he goes back to the quiet place. He goes up a mountain to, play, to pray, to be replenished, to spend time with his Father. Because if you read through these scriptures, if you go through the Gospels, on numerous occasions, Jesus ministered from the lonely place. It wasn't the opposite. 
He went there. He found out what his father wanted to say. He, he, he even said, I only say what and, and do what I see my father doing and hear my father saying. And so it's imperative for us as Jesus followers to find the space and the place to be quiet and listen and then do so that we can be who we want to be because it's his voice that we want to hear. Uh, final scripture, Luke chapter 15, I'm um, sorry, Luke chapter five, verse 15. News spread about him all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So what's the point of these scriptures? The busier Jesus became, the more he withdrew to quiet places to be with his father. The busier we become, the busier I become when I'm feeling exhausted, what do I do? I look to go and have a nap. I look to catch up on my sleep. I think I need to go and put my head down and relax and be restored in that manner. But Jesus, even though he was exhausted, even though he hadn't eaten, even though he was really busy, even though there were crowds following him, he found space to be with his father so that he could meet the needs of the people and live out of that place of, of life and fullness. So it's a challenge for me. I'm, I'm literally preaching to myself here. I'm sure. You're doing two jobs. <laughs> you know, I loved what you said earlier in Mark 1. Can you just stick that text up there? It says, Jeremy, not that one. Um, it says, very early, I think yes. that was Jeremy, uh, very early in the morning. In, in, in the King James, I think, it says, in the first watch, of the day, which would have been 3 a.m., Jesus went up to pray. And uh, what, what I really loved about that is the verse before explains how exhausted he was. So he wakes up at 3 a.m. to go and pray. And when we're exhausted, we cover our head with a pillow and say, go back to sleep or go watch whatever you want. Or, and, uh, and Jesus is going... I'm, I'm going to prioritize living from my spirit, even if I'm tired. Now, friends, I, I honestly believe this could be one of the most catalytic things in our lives because I think we're getting physically tired and not spiritually strong. Mm. And therefore, when we do get a chance to sleep, we can never sleep enough. And, uh, and I, I just think that that is so pertinent he starves the flesh. He starves through exhaustion, through food. Whatever he has to do, he fills the spirit up to take on the world. Okay, let's get practical. How do you, how do, you do this? A few practicals. So if you are more introverted like myself, you're going to love it. This is the best thing that anyone can advise you to do. Find a lonely place and go away from everybody else where there's no noise and distraction. If you're extroverted, don't panic. It'd probably be a little bit harder for you, but no less essential. I mean, Jesus did both. He spent hours quiet with his father, and then he interacted with masses of people. And so there's a great balance there to see. I think, please be aware of your stage of life. I remember we, our kids, we've got three kids, a daughter and two sons. They tw boys are twins. And when they were all under two, I remember my wife saying, the bathroom's just become a social environment. There was just no peace in there. They just come storming through and have conversations. So our lives change. You know, you don't have to be a parent to imagine <laughs> no. three kids and twins under two. 
So, if you've handled that, you can do anything. She needed, she really needed, and myself, needed to be aware of our stage of life. It, you can't always find hours to isolate from those around you. Perhaps you're studying and you've got to do assignments. Perhaps you're holding down two jobs. You know your stage of life. But you know what? So does your father. I know my kid's stage of life. I know what they can handle. I know where they are. I know the, where they are. They're grade seven and grade nine. I know how busy they are. I know their interests. But I also know how to prioritize their lives for them because they're not there yet. Your father knows where you are. Just give him the opportunity. Extrovert, introvert. For me, it'll be longer. For you, it might be shorter. Just be aware of where you are. Maybe you're coming through an illness and you do need to literally rest. But name your stage of life and be okay with that. Somebody came up to my wife when we were in the thick of it and they said, Christy, it's okay. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He's okay with that. And that was, uh, she was so released from that. So please don't be under pressure. So yeah, uh, if you're a first timer, never tried this before, never done this before, you, you're new to this Christian walk, um, don't put pressure on yourself. Just experiment. Ask somebody a question. Maybe journey with someone. Say, hey, can you help me through this? Or shall we message each other? Shall we do this together? Like, what, what kind of things can we put into practice here? Um, be realistic on the expectations of yourself as well. It could be a completely new experience. If it's not, go big, go strong. Spend as much time as you can with your father. But if it's new for you, be realistic. You will have these thoughts, that are the inner voice, that inner um, noise will come up and it will challenge you and it will present itself. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to do this. Not at all, not one bit. If someone is trying to distract my children, they don't want their father's voice mingling in there. They want to be the only voice that the children hear so they can lead them astray. But what is my intention? Back on track. This is who you are. This is what you're made for. This is how deeply you're loved. And this is what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks or months or whatever it may be or just tomorrow. The enemy will not like you to expect a little bit of pushback. So first timer, be realistic for yourself. Be aware of your stage of life. And then I think we have this thing at home where at seven o'clock all devices are in the kitchen and they're placed on these little shelves and they're plugged in there and they're left there. Have a space for those distractions. Switch off the TV. Don't take your phones into the bedroom. Uh, leave your book in the car. I'm, I'm not too sure. You name your distraction and deal with it. Give yourself the opportunity. Make the decision. Jesus had to get up and go to the mountain. He didn't just float. I mean, he was God, but he didn't float. The Holy Spirit will float. But he had to make the decision to get there. Can you make that decision so that you can connect with your Father? Because it's his desire. Um, take a notebook, not your phone. Take a piece of paper, not your phone. Okay, you want to take notes on your phone? Uh, there's going to be a message. There's going to be someone trying to get hold of you. There'll be a ringtone. There'll be an app. There's going to be something that'll lead you astray. Leave the phone behind in your quiet place. Take something you can write down. Because like me, I'll forget. I'll forget it. Um, that's a few practicals. I just wanted to mention, Ross, though, that a couple of weeks back you ministered on the voices in our, in our lives, and our names are so powerful there. We all want to hear the voice of our Father. That is a desire in our hearts. I can ask probably any one of you who've journeyed with Jesus for a while, we want to know, how do we hear the voice of God? And I think it's just a confidence factor. 
because God is speaking and he's willing to communicate all the time. The voice that we listen to the most shapes us. We are informed consistently. Advertising, radio, TV, Netflix, supersport, culture, society are putting these demands on us and they are diluting what the kingdom wants to build up in us. And there's a constant battle for that. Please remember that whatever we're listening to the most will inform us. But we want the voice of the Father to shape and form us. And the truth sets us free. It sets us free to be who we call to be. And that's what Jesus could do. He heard the voice of his Father and he responded and he was true to himself. So when we give our Father the opportunity to speak to us and we hear him and he will accept the invite, he's a gentleman, but he won't invade our space. He just wants an opportunity to come in and speak to us and we will find the freedom that we're looking for for the next step in our lives. Awesome. We, we have to wrap up. There's more in there. But um, <clears throat> I want to give you a last because this is the end of the series. This, I believe, is the most catalytic thing you can do to shift into a life of fullness. Find a lonely place. I want to just say that again. Lonely. Where you feel a little abandoned. Where it's a little bit sore. Because if you find that word Eremos, lonely place, if you find a lonely place, external noise is gone. What happens is all that internal noise comes to the surface. And you need time. You need time in a lonely place to get all that internal noise out. Because when Elijah went to the cave, he had a dialogue in his mind. Everyone's let God down. There are no more prophets left. He, he had this dialogue in his mind. And then there was an earthquake, and there was lightning, and there was wind. And only then was a still small voice. If you don't know what I'm talking about, in 1 Kings 19, it explains the story. But here's the thing. Loneliness, we're trying to distract ourselves out of our loneliness. But the truth is, the only way we can process our lives is if we expose ourselves to loneliness. And here's the beauty of loneliness. Jesus went to the cross to literally be left lonely. He says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? What happened on the cross is he experienced the loneliness that we should have experienced. So that when we go into the lonely place, we will never experience that. His spirit will speak to our spirits. And we will be formed by the father. So here's what I want you to do. Just bow your head. And I want you to think of a lonely place. And I want you to think about a time you can go there. Maybe double that amount of time.
Now put it in your diary and go be lonely so that you can hear the voice of our Father and so that you can come back with light eyes full of grace whilst everybody else is exhausted around you. May God bless you and fill you and may his life be upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May God bless you. Go away.